Well, welcome back to another episode of Crunching the Numbers with Shane Leonage and Mark Safoulis. Hi, guys. Thanks again, Shane, for, for obviously putting a lot of work into what we're doing here. And I, I know you're uh, you're a very um, prepared kind of guy, and um, I love what you do in terms of your preparation for this kind of stuff. But we're talk- here to talk today about the first four games. So it's not a huge topic that obviously people have spoken about in the past, but um, we as obviously a partnership and what we do uh, with our players have spoken a lot about the first four games and its impact on the match, not necessarily just from a, a game perspective, but from a mentality of, you know, if we can get a really good start, what does that mean to us? So from your perspective, what do you think the first four games mean uh, to, to most players or what should they mean to most players? Yeah, look, uh, uh, look, I... Uh, f- what it's worth I think the first four games uh, looking at it has a lot of merit in the sense that it's the first time both players uh, play on both sides of the court Um, particularly important when you're playing uh, a lot of the ITF or the grassroots tennis where you you might have one side significantly different to the other Um, it's also you're you're on average 15 to 20 minutes into into the match at this point, so um, you've had a good feel for it. So um, so I think it's important to look at this as maybe a first um, KPI, um, a benchmark um, as to how you're going. Um, and then I talked about uh, initially in that first um, uh, podcast about winning 53 percent. Um, getting you into top 10 on the men's tour, and I think it's 54% on the women's tour. Um, I had a look at uh, a couple of the big guys um, um, and girls, um, their winning percentage in the first four games, and uh, Novak Djokovic, uh, Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer, Serena Williams, Simona Halep, they all actually win over 55% of points in that first four-game block. What that tells me is they're immediately putting pressure on their opponents and they're often up a break at this point. Um, So looking at it a slightly different way, Novak Djokovic on average after four games is winning 2.72 games. So it's up a break. But okay, that's obviously, it's really good to know that. Why do you think the reason is behind that? So obviously there's um, a certain different patterns of play. There's, you know, different opponents you're playing against. Obviously, you know, some players have got a bigger serve than others, etc. But why do you think, from a numbers perspective, is that the case? Um, look, I, th- I think a lot of it's between what's between the ears, um, yeah. and also the preparation they do in the locker room. Um, they're all they all have routines slightly different. Um, you've obviously seen everyone's aware of Nadal's routines. Um, but he's very, um, what's the right word for it? He's very deliberate in, in, in how he prepares. So I think when, by the time he's playing that first point, he knows he's playing that first point. Uh, I think some of the some of the other players, that they kind of let things drift a little bit too much. And, and before they know it, they're um, in the second or third game. I think you're right there. The pre-match preparation is one of my pet peeves on a lot of kids because they they come into a match without warming up properly or without hitting balls before the match. And that to me is just, they're trying to find their rhythm in the match. And I think that's a really hard one. If you're a, if you're a tennis player trying to find rhythm in the first four games, you're probably gonna be 3-1 down. If you've already got your rhythm pre-match, I think it's a really big thing to have because if you start 3-1 up, that's a huge mental advantage you have then on your opponent. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think uh, we've actually got a really good practical example given yeah. um, we worked with a, a specific athlete at, at the I.O. and and, um, and they they were really struggling. So talk about Djokovic being 2.72, winning 2.72 games after in the first four. This athlete was uh, in their last 15 matches only winning 0.8. So they were often down 3-1 or 4-love at this point. So that was an area that we, we knew we had to address. Um, we looked at things in terms of their first serve numbers were down, more unforced errors. Um, but there was a bit more to that. And, and Mark, you, you really changed his. Yeah, I think from our discussion we had, and, and Shane did some numbers on a player I was coaching at the Australian Open, who, as Shane said, he was he was winning 0.8 of a game within the first four games of every match. So most of the time he was either four love down, three one down, very rarely two all, very rarely three one up. Not at all, actually, in those yeah, matches yeah. That, that we had in the last 15. So for me as a coach, it was about how how is this happening? Why is it happening? And what do I need to do about it to help him change? So we literally changed his pre-match routine. And we changed his pre-match routine from um, an off-court perspective. So I found that he was doing a hitting warm-up that was no more than 10 to 15 minutes. We extended that to 30 minutes. I found that in his pre-match warm-up, he wasn't playing at match intensity. So we changed his pre-match warm-up to match intensity. I found that he wasn't eating before he was playing. So basically he would eat in the morning um, from about 8 a.m. We'd have practice at like 9.30 or 10 o'clock and then his match would start at 11. And he wouldn't eat between the time he left his hotel, which was at 7.30 in the morning, right the way to the end of his match. So he just had no energy come match time. So the only thing that got him going was adrenaline and I found we had to change that whole pre-match routine. And obviously now that he's played, I think it's about 10 or so matches since that time, he's now up around two or two and a half. 2.7 actually. 2.7, there you go. So I think in this stretch, his worst has been uh, two all. Whereas wow. previously, he was lucky to get to tour. Yeah, and, and as a coach, for me, that's not only building uh, confidence, but it's also destroying the confidence of the opponent straight off the bat. If you're you know, out there and you're 3-1 up or you're 2-0 and you're right in that match, it just puts a lot of pressure back on the opponent. So I felt like that's been a really big change for, for our athlete. And I think he, he'll continue to, to work on that. And I think it's something he'll continue to evolve and, but I also challenge you out there, if you're a coach or a parent or a player out there that's really struggling in those first four games, have a think about what you do pre-match because for, for us, the pre-match preparation is the, the most important part of actually getting on that court and playing the match. Absolutely, yeah. Is, is there any evidence as well from the top players that you've got here, obviously in your in your research, that can, can help us out to, to give our listeners an idea about you know what they can do to, to increase the first four games yeah so uh, when the, the, the four players that I mentioned um, at the start one, one of the areas that they do exceptionally well is return um, very well from the beginning so they're winning over 50% of return points in that four game block um, and that that goes a long way to breaking um, their opponent um, early on so um, I think I, I alluded to Djokovic winning 2.72. If you've watched him at the Australian Open, um, I think he was up a break in four, four of his seven matches mm. in that first four-game block. Um, and it does it just puts so much pressure on the opponent to have to then start to do more, and they start to panic and start to rush. And then you're always on the back foot trying to catch up. And I feel like, you know, if you if you get a player on the back foot, you're in such control of the match, and you control the tempo and the, and the way the match flows. And I feel like 
Novak does that extremely well. He gets on top early. He puts you into a little rabbit hole and says, okay, stay there until I'll let you come out. Yeah, absolutely. So other th- other things that c- you can potentially consider are uh, if, if, if you're prone, if you're athlete or, or you're prone to making more unforced errors early or not getting returns into play, you can adjust your return position. So I think the first four games are important to sort of tinker with that and get um, get an understanding of the environment and conditions and, and, and work out maybe on this ret- this side I'll return at this point uh, this 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 area and, and on the other side you might return a bit deeper because the, uh, the wind is different um, I guess I, I want to ask you this question you know I think it's important how much of the first four games for those top players that you mentioned come down to the ability for them to have the data and the game planning and the research behind their opponents so they can actually, hit the ground running come that first game i actually think the data is probably most important in that first four game block the first set i think as the match progresses uh intuitively um players start recognizing patterns that are going on um but in that first four game um block you're probably the most vulnerable if your opponent comes in very prepared yeah and i think that's the the biggest challenge now is that Obviously, guys like yourself who charge an arm and a leg for what you do, <laughs> you're obviously on the big dollars sitting behind your computer and knowing the numbers. I think it's really, it's obviously these guys are at the top level. Those top four, five to 10 players in the world have access to this, which a lot of players don't. And it gives you that advantage, even if it's one or 2%, like you said, to start the match well. And then once the match is going, it's all instinct. And you don't want to take the instinct away from the player and reading and, and generating their own game plan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, I, I think hopefully in the next four or five years, or um, hopefully sooner, more players will get access to, to data. I think we've, we've, there's more sensors. ITF um, have approved more um, sensors um, on court um, and on your rackets and things like that. So I think data will be more accessible. Um, and again, we'll probably go back to this. It's how then you, you're able to interpret it. That'll yeah. be the key. I guess at the same time, though, players can still, as we, we've spoken about in our past episodes, they can still access their own data. If they were to get video of their own matches and be able to just um, do the, the stats themselves. They can come up with some sort of game plan and formulate around what they're, what they're doing as well to help them um, and give them a better understanding of what they're doing and how they can move forward with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I certainly um, recommend players to, to at least watch your match um, back, whether you win or lose. Um, in fact, if you lose, I think it's actually more important for, for you yeah. to actually watch that footage. Absolutely. But um, you, you'll gain something there. And then if, you, if you're if you able to, to, to tag that match um, and collect some data, um, eventually you, you'll, you'll have um, a number of matches and you can start seeing patterns that work well for you, patterns that don't work well for you, and, and, and start looking at things like the first four games. Yeah, I think that's really important. I, I, I've got a lot of young kids that I coach and there's a, be a few coaches out there that will hopefully listen to to our podcast and, and and try and work out what they can do for players that are not a recreation level, but a junior level, where they're out there playing tournaments and they don't have access to all the numbers, the vision, the data, etc. And one of the keys that I look at is once you walk on court, you're not out there to try and get your feel. Okay. You're out there to try and beat the opponent. So if you're trying to get your feel, you're in trouble. So get your player prepared really early. Um, and I, I think it's like for, from my perspective, I try and give the guys um, play to your strengths. So we talk about what we work on in training and their strengths, which may be use the forehand as much as you can early on. Um, once you've got your strengths firing, I think it's really good from a confidence perspective to be able to replicate success. 
because the more success you have with your weapons, the better you're going to feel. So I guess that's a really big, big point there. And obviously with the return to serve is neutralizing the game. So when you're in a return position, try and neutralize as much as possible, put them on the back foot and, um, and you know, get a really good chance at the first strike in the rally. Yeah, absolutely. Shane, obviously the first four games is critical. We hope that people out there are going to start thinking about what they do in terms of their preparation before matches. Um, coaches start thinking about how to prepare players and parents start thinking about how you may talk to your child pre-match because obviously they're nervous anyway. So we've got to get them starting really well. But um, you know, I do appreciate your time and the work that you're putting into your numbers. And obviously, hopefully you were getting something out there to the, the, public, the tennis public out there that want to learn a little bit about the game and what the numbers actually mean. Um, and hopefully we're able to simplify it for you. Again, we're brought to you by the Tennis Menu, uh, which we're out online at the moment. Check us out. And also data-driven sports analytics. Uh, hopefully we've taken uh, you've taken something from what we've spoken about over the last few episodes. We'll continue to bring you the latest in data and numbers and hopefully dissect the game as simply as possible for you out there and uh, to take onto the court. So good luck and thanks once again, Shane. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mark.